be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, again for Jesus. We thank you for your word and for his uh, example in um, every area of life. It is uh, in his name that we pray. Amen. I uh, struggle mightily with a sweet tooth. Uh, I love, I love them. I, I do. Uh, I, I confess that to you this morning. Uh, I come by it naturally, and the story that I always tell uh, from my teenage years that kind of demonstrates the sweet tooth and where I inherited this from uh, was there was a little uh, restaurant right near uh, where my dad and I lived after my mom passed away, and they used to have these chocolate cake, uh, they were celebration cakes. Now, in my defense, they were small. I think they were supposed to feed like a family of four, maybe six or eight, something like that. Um, so, but we, we, my dad and I, it was not unusual at all in, in this period of our life where my dad and I would get one of these celebration cakes. We weren't celebrating anything, just, we were just getting one of these cakes and we would go halvesies on it. Just cut it in half and you take one half and I take uh, the other half. Don't, don't judge me, right? I, I told you I have a sweet tooth. Uh, but enough about me. Let's talk about you. Um, what are some of your greatest temptations? Uh, I saw a recent survey where it was like, if you kind of fall into this category, check the box on, on what you're most tempted by. 60% said worrying and being anxious. 60% uh, said procrastinating and putting things off. 55% said eating too much. Uh, the other 45% said lying. Uh, 44% <laughs> said spending too much time on media. 41% said being lazy, uh, spending more money uh, than I can afford, 35%. 28% uh, gossiping about others. 24% being jealous and envious of others. 18% uh, viewing inappropriate material online. 11% abusing alcohol or drugs. Now, here's what I want you to see. A lot of the stuff that we are tempted by, believe it or not, would actually fit into the category of what we're talking about this Memorial Day weekend, the subject of gluttony. Now, we have a tendency in this culture to think that gluttony mostly has to do with food and overeating and, and that kind of stuff. But really, the Hebrew word for gluttony, where the New Testament, uh, the, the, the Greek word, excuse me, for gluttony, when uh, the, Old, the Old Testament uses it and the Greek is trying to teach this lesson, it most often describes it with the word prodigal. You may remember this story, right? The story of the prodigal son, uh, that, that he is kind of an entitled, uh, spoiled person, and he goes to his dad and says, I want my inheritance early, and the father kind of reluctantly gives him the inheritance. This was a huge slap in the father's face. In Jewish culture, it was essentially saying, Dad, you're not passing away fast enough. I'll take my inheritance early. And, and so they, they have this exchange. The dad gives him the money, and here's what the scripture says. The scripture says he went to a faraway land and engaged in wild living. He overindulged. He spent more, he ate more, he did more than he ever thought he was going to do. And at some point, a famine comes, and all of his resources dry up. And when all of his resources dry up, all of his friendships dry up. A shocker, right? And he ends up in trouble. And this isn't what the story is about. But the end of the story, um, the, the end of the story, he ends up ends up well. He ends up going home uh, to his dad in, in, in grace. But at the heart of the story of the prodigal son, the kind of heart behind what he did 
was a need to overindulge, to engage in wild living for the purpose of escape. For the purpose of escape. So I'm tired of living on this farm. I'm tired of living with dad. I'm tired of the rules. I don't like my life. I don't like the direction things are going. So I'm going to ask for my inheritance early. I'm going to engage in wild living. And I am going to escape this life that I don't feel that great about. I can't face what's ahead of me. So I'm going to indulge in whatever to escape my current reality. That's, what, that, that's why sometimes the, the Greek uh, and the Hebrew translates this as prodigal, because that's the heart behind it. And like I said, the story ends well. He comes home. Dad, dad accepts him in grace. Uh, but the heart behind him is, I need to escape. I can't handle my life. I, I've got to get out of here. And he overindulges for, for the purpose of escape. And, and we often think of this as food, and it can be food, but it can be so many different things. Take a look at this video. I really actually like that clip on this subject, that, that gluttony, it would be easy to show a clip related to food, but I love that clip uh, because she's obviously angry and hurting and looking for something that, that's going to fill her life. What, what, what is that for you? Maybe it is food, or maybe it's entertainment, or maybe it's a substance, or a relationship, or any number of, of things. And the first thing I want you to realize is the things that we overindulge in, they really make terrible gods, right? That you were created, I believe this with all of my heart, that you were created with, uh, with, with a desire inside of you to know, worship, honor, and follow God. And, and because of that, our spiritual hope, joy, and peace can really only come from God. And anytime I turn to a thing to fill that role, I end up overindulging in it. Because it can't bring me joy. Only God can. It can't bring me hope. It, it, it can't bring me peace. It can't bring me those things. So I end up overindulging to try to force it to do that. Right? So entertainment won't bring me lasting joy. It's fine in moderation, but as a God, I will find myself needing more and more entertainment. Sugar cannot bring me peace. I, I've tried, right? And I'll overindulge trying to force it to do that. Relationships cannot bring me lasting hope. I might be tempted to make my significant other do that, but it's going to cause spiritual and emotional and even physical pain. And so this is the, the kind of side of gluttony, is that it makes a terrible God, and we just will keep indulging and indulging and overindulging, trying to force it to do something it was never, ever designed to do. In addition to that, the Bible will talk a whole lot more, and this is important, about overcoming more than it does escaping. It talks more about being faithful than it does overindulging. It talks more about conquering than it does gluttony. It talks more about contentment in Christ, we'll talk about that later, than trying to find peace through a substance. So the Bible's encouragement to us would not be to overindulge, to escape from our life or our pain. The Bible's encouragement to us would be to face our problems head on empowered by the holy spirit to conquer to find solutions to work things out and it is a much healthier mindset than the prodigal the prodigal is like i don't like this part of my life i don't like what is happening give me my money earlier and i am going to escape I'm going to escape this reality that is not bringing me joy, hope, and peace. And I'm going to go find a new reality that will bring me joy, hope, and peace. And it never works. Because we will ask that thing to be a God for us that it cannot be. 
and we will indulge and indulge and indulge, uh, trying to force it to be something that's not until it actually, we'll talk more about this later too, until it actually ends up causing us more harm. So Proverbs talks a little bit about this subject. Proverbs 23 says, listen, my son, and be wise. Set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. So one of the things that will happen when we overindulge in an area, one of the things that happens is it almost always leads to an underindulgence in some other area. So the proverb will use the example of a lack of work and effort that comes after we eat too much or drink too much. So we have a habit, uh, I have a habit of eating out almost every Sunday. Sunday afternoon is almost always the day that we eat out like many of you. It is uh, far and away my biggest meal of the week. And a lot of times I'm tired and worn out uh, from the energy of preaching. And I go to a restaurant a lot of times of my choosing and I overindulge. I overeat. And I love it. <laughs> and then Sunday, after not, uh, Sunday afternoon after I do that, guess what time it is? It's nap time. It is not my most productive time of the week, Sunday afternoon. And overindulgence in one area almost always leads to an underindulgence in another. And maybe you've seen that in your life. As you overindulge in entertainment, you find yourself underindulging with your family. As you overindulge in social media, you find yourself underindulging at work. As you overindulge in junk food, you find yourself underindulging in healthy eating. I don't know if you've ever had this experience like I have before. It's like, I'm starting a new diet. And then I'll eat like a piece of chocolate cake. It's like, well, I might as well eat that way the rest of the week, right? All of a sudden, there's an underindulgence in another area because I've overindulged in a previous one. And I think it's good for us to sit back. I know some of this is hard when we think about this. Think about being the one that wrote it, right? Um, as I'm preaching to myself all week long, it's like, I've got to lose 40 pounds by Sunday. Because there, <laughs> is, is there any possible way I can lose 40 pounds by Sunday? No, no, there is no way, right? But I think it's good to sometimes sit back and just ask the question, am I overindulging? Am I trying to find my joy, hope, and peace in a place or a thing when I should be trying to find it in God? Am I trying to escape something? Am I trying to say, that I'm not happy over here, so I'm going to turn to this thing. Would you give me joy? And it just keeps asking for more and more of you. And now it's actually starting to rob from you. The Bible would say, we want to, we'll see this in a passage in the future, we want to wake up and we want to see reality, even though sometimes reality hurts, we want to see reality and ask God to help us to address. Proverbs 23, 29. Who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaints, who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, do not gaze at wine when it is red, for it sparkles in the cup and it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake. It poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights. Your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I do not feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? It's kind of a hot topic. 
But our culture is kind of obsessed with this idea of taking care of ourselves. And listen, I think it's true. We want to take care of ourselves, but the psalmist is trying to show us overindulgence is not taking care of ourselves. As a matter of fact, overindulgence actually hurts us. Right? And we, we talked about this a bunch in this series so far. We'll talk about it a bunch more. But these seven deadly sins, they tend to lie quite a bit to us. Nurse your anger. Nurse it. Nurse, don't forgive. Nurse your anger and it will help. Overindulge and you'll find peace. Kick back. Be slothful and you'll find rest. These sins tend to lie to us like that. But honestly, it's most true, I think, when it comes to gluttony. Overindulgence can often lead to self-inflicted wounds, according to the proverb. It's the person who struggles to moderate alcohol. And every relationship is affected. Some of you have experienced this. It's the person that struggles with food and is starting to see health issues as a result. It's the person that's overly entertained and is starting to see the way it affects their marriage. And what this proverb is cautioning us against is just rinsing and repeating all day. It's like, man, I'm going to grab a nap, and when I wake up, one more show, one more drink, one more thing. And he says the greatest thing we can do is wake up and not say, give me another drink. Give me another video game. Give me another piece of cake. But say, no, no, no. I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to say, my joy, hope, and peace comes from God. And I'm going to figure the other stuff out, but I'm going to affirm today that I've been turning to a thing to give me joy, hope, and peace when only God can give me joy, hope, and peace. Proverbs 25. If you find honey, eat just enough, too much of it, and you'll vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, too much of you, and they'll hate you. I love this so much. Because we're on a holiday weekend where families are getting together. And I love the example of Proverbs. He's like, you know how like a little bit of you goes a long way? You get that, uh, you get that principle that a little bit of you goes a long And you know how like a little bit of your family, you know, like sometime in the afternoon, you're like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah you know, how, how a little bit goes a, a long way. Too much of you and they'll hate you. Two things spoil after three days. Fish and house guests, right? Um, <laughs> That gluttony can be the same way. Too much, and you'll hate the result. So we want to be humble, and we want to be wise, and we want to say, this isn't going well. This thing I'm turning to, it's asking too much from me. It's requiring too much from me. It's asking me to give too much. Things are not going well. Life isn't going well, and I need to change. And listen, I understand that one of the resounding teachings of our culture right now, the last five years, is that people can't change. I am telling you, it's a lie. It is a lie. You can change. People can change. You don't have to live the way you've been living. This is embedded in the gospel. One of the things we've been studying in my class, that class that I'm teaching on the life of Christ, is we've been learning about how John the Baptist taught this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John used to say, all right, repent of your sins and you'll be forgiven of them. It was an incredible gift. But Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit. So Jesus kind of gives us his Holy Spirit. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit can empower you and help you and motivate you to live a different life. So change can happen. You might say, I've been living this way for years. I've been turning to this thing. 
And it's just asking more and more of me. But I've been turning to it for years and years and years. I can't change. That's a lie. That's a lie. Being told to you, probably by the sin of overindulgence. It's a lie. You and I, properly motivated, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we absolutely can change. So the Proverbs would certainly teach us that we want to stop doing certain things, you know, too much, and you know, you're going to get sick. It's just like, you know, you know, Memorial Afternoon, you know, a lot of you is a lot of you, right? You know, sort of thing, right? So you want, you want to be careful about having too much. And so the proverb is warning us against that. When we get into the New Testament, Paul in particular is going to get to the root of what this is about. If you've ever wondered about what, what is this about? Why do I do this? I sometimes wonder that as I'm looking at the crumb of cake left over. From, why did I do that? Like, why did I do I don't feel good. All I want to do is nap, right? I, I don't feel good. Why did I do it? And he says that uh, Paul is going to teach that one of the things behind some of this is sometimes a spirit of discontent. Right? So, in other words, if gluttony is the pursuit of more, then the New Testament would teach that contentment is the arrival of peace. And here's how the Apostle Paul wrote it. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. At last, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Oh, Paul, tell me more, Paul. Tell me more. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content. This is an anti-gluttony message that Paul is teaching us here. And it sounds like a secret we'd all like to learn. The secret to contentment. And let's start out by defining contentment real quick. What I I mean by that, um, it's a very, very unusual word. As a matter of fact, when Paul uses it in the book of Philippians here, this is the only usage of this exact word in the entire New Testament. It's it's right here. Uh, I just read it to you. It's the only usage of this word content uh, in the New Testament. He alludes to it and uses a similar word in 2 Corinthians 12. Let me show this to you. He said, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, here it is. My grace is sufficient is the word for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I'm I'm not trying to escape them. I delight in them, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Contentment, biblically, is the state of self-sufficiency. The state of sufficiency, I should say. I have all that I need. I may not have everything that I want, but I have all that I need, and that is enough. So contentment and grace are very close friends. Contentment and peace are very close friends. Contentment and joy are very close friends. Contentment and hope are very close friends. This is significant. 
Because overindulgent is encouraging us, find your joy, find your hope, find your peace, and escapism. Turn to this other thing for your joy, hope, and peace, the things that we love to indulge. And contentment dismisses a very important lie that I want us to internalize today. Contentment dismisses a lie that says more will bring me more peace. If I had 20% more house, if I had 20% more salary, if I had 20% more ice cream that I just finished, right? If I had 20% more cake, right? If I had more, I would have more joy, hope, and peace, and I'd feel contentment. So, is it, so, so overindulgence, gluttony, it lies to us. It says continue to indulge, continue to indulge, continue to indulge until you find that joy, hope, and peace, and it never comes. There's a story that I found remarkable of a father who uh, was just wildly wealthy, all right, just very, very rich, and he took his son out to the country to show him how some poor, some, uh, poor family farms out in the country, how they operated, and they spent a couple of nights on this farm uh, of what would be considered to be a, a, a poor family, and on their return home, the father says to his son, as he's trying to teach him this lesson about contentment, he says, how was the trip? He says, it was great, Dad. He says, did you see how poor people can be? I wanted you to say, did you see how poor people can be? And the son said, oh, yeah, Dad, I, I, I did. He said, so tell me, what have you learned from this trip? Well, Dad, I saw they have one dog. I saw that we have one dog, and they have four. We have a pool that reaches in the middle of our garden, and they have a creek that has no end. We have imported lanterns for our garden, and they have stars at night. Our patio reaches to the front yard, and they have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on, and they have fields that go beyond our sight. We buy our food. They grow theirs. We have walls around our property to, to protect us, and they have their friends to protect them. And with this, the boy's father was speechless, and then the son added, Thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we are. Right? Gluttony is a bit of a liar. More net worth, more house, more salary, more entertainment, more whatever, it will result in your joy. And we just, we know this isn't true. Because we know people that are very, very wealthy and don't have that joy, hope, and peace at all. Why? Because Paul teaches us not more stuff results in joy, more Christ results in joy. More Christ results in hope. More Christ results in peace. More Christ results in all of this stuff. So it is possible for us, Paul says, regardless of our circumstances, well-fed or hungry, it is possible for us to have this joy, hope, and peace. We don't have to turn to a thing to give us more. We have a person, Jesus, who brings us more. So in good times, contentment dismisses the lie that I need more. I need 20% more usually, statistically. It's like, how much more would you like to earn? Person earning a million dollars? person earning $50,000, they always have the exact same answer, 20%. 20%. And and it's, it's just a thing that we believe that a little bit more would bring me what I'm looking for. He says, no, no, Christ is the answer for joy. Christ is the answer for hope. Christ is the answer for peace. So contentment dismisses this lie that I need more. He says, it also dismisses another lie of gluttony And the lie is, I can't, so I need more. I can't find joy here. 
I can't find peace here. I can't find purpose here. I can't overcome this. I can't survive this. I can't. And gluttony says, you're right, you can't, so escape. And contentment whispers to us, in Christ you can. Paul says, this is the secret of being content in every situation. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says that that is the secret to contentment. That is the anti-gluttony message. Gluttony will say, you're right, you can't. So escape, become the prodigal, escape, search, overindulge, and maybe, just maybe, that thing will finally bring you joy, hope, and peace, even though it never has before. And the gospel says, no, 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 no. No. I can do all things. I did a deep word study on this. You know what the word all means? All. All. That's what it means. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So you don't need to have as a life philosophy, I need to escape. I need to overindulge. I need to get away from you, you don't. You don't need to have that as a life philosophy. I don't need to have that as a life philosophy. I can uh, look at whatever problems I have and, and the, in the spirit of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He has given me an example to follow, his word to read, his spirit to empower me. I can do all things, not some things, not a few things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And overindulgence will always whisper you can't, but the gospel reminds us we can. Now, this is not to say you can't have cake tomorrow at your, at your family picnic. This is not to say you can't ever have fun again, right? This is moderation is fine. Moderation is fine. Overindulgence is a bit of a liar. And so we want to we wanna just think through the pattern of our life and the way that we're living, and we want to ask ourselves some real questions. Am I, am I just enjoying in moderation, or am I turning to this thing to give me joy, hope, and peace when Christ promises that he will bring me joy, hope, and peace, or am I turning to a thing or a person or an experience or whatever the case may be to escape something because I feel like I need to escape when the Bible clearly teaches, no, 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 In Christ, you've got this. In Christ, you can do all things. Through Christ, you can do all things. Because he will give you strength. So my prayer for you and I is that we would leave this place empowered, encouraged. I hope this was an awful. Encouraged, empowered, helped, and motivated to ask ourselves some real questions about what we're turning to. But to also be encouraged that in Christ... We have everything we need. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his example. And I just want to pray right now that those of us in this room, that we would not give in to escapism, that we would not overindulge looking for joy, hope, and peace when it's really found in you. But we would enjoy it in moderation and we would follow your word and your example 
and that our joy, hope, and peace would come from you. We're so grateful for Jesus and his example. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to receive a communion together over the next few minutes. And it's just an opportunity for us to thank Jesus for what he did. Remember what the scripture says that I read. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. So right now is an opportunity for us to spend some time with Christ and thank him for his example. Thank him for his sacrifice. Thank him for his work on the cross. Thank him for his Holy Spirit that I don't need to escape. I don't need to overindulge in Christ. I can do all things. And so we're going to pass out the emblem, some bread representing Jesus' body, some juice representing his blood, and you can just spend a few minutes with him. And then uh, I'm going to come up after a few moments, and we'll receive it together all as a church family. His body, give it for you. His blood poured out. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice and for your spirit. We thank you for your example, for your words. You are our everything. And I just pray on this memorial weekend that we would remember um, that you are a fountain generously giving joy, hope, and peace to everyone that comes to you. And that your spirit, that that is not, it's a teaching that maybe grows at times a little bit old on the ears, but it is profoundly important that we understand. We have received the same spirit that rose you from the dead. We don't need to escape. We don't need to run away. We don't need to be afraid. We have the promise and example of your resurrection and your spirit empowering us every single day. So I pray that wouldn't be a dismissive theological truth. It is, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, again, we, I've got the Holy Spirit, got it. No, no, no. I, I want us to stay here for a minute and remember that. I am not alone. I am not weak and frail. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I pray for strength for me. I pray for strength for our congregation. I pray for strength for everybody listening. I pray for strength. I wouldn't need to turn to something or escape something, but I would turn to you for my joy, hope, and peace and strength. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I want to, um, as we uh, get ready to leave, I know Memorial Day, um, as we just experienced, I think with even communion, that there can be a mixed bag with memory, right? That memory, I hope, uh, for, for all of us that remember people in our lives that have passed away, that there is a sense of sorrow, but also quickly kind of coming out of that, a sense of joy of, of the moments that were shared and the life that we had. And so I know in a room with this many people in it, there's a lot of loss represented. A lot of memories will happen tomorrow. And I just pray for God's peace for you, um, that you will remember them. And there'll probably be a little sorrow with that, but that there'd also be some joy in Christ. Will you stand? We're going to close with one last song. Yeah.